KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning, I'm Eric Anderson, in for Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, June 16th. The water at a San Diego daycare center has the highest lead levels in the state. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A temporary wall is being considered to protect the railroad tracks in San Clemente from unstable cliffs. Falling debris has closed the tracks to passenger service between San Diego and Orange counties. For now, there is a bus bridge between Irvine and Oceanside. San Clemente Mayor Chris Duncan said that earlier this week, he decided not to take the train to San Diego. It's just not optimal, right? It, it takes a lot of extra time. You've got to get off the train, get back on the bus, then go up there. For me, uh, you know, we just decided to drive down to Carlsbad. Rail service provider Metrolink is expected to hire a contractor to design and build the wall on an emergency basis to speed up construction. According to Metrolink officials, passenger rail service is expected to resume later this summer. Two men, including a U.S. Marine stationed at Camp Pendleton, are accused of firebombing a planned parenthood clinic in Costa Mesa last year. FBI agents and the Naval Criminal Investigative Service arrested 21-year-old Tibet Ergul and 23-year-old Chance Brannan on Wednesday. Brannan is an active-duty Marine. The men are accused of throwing a Molotov cocktail at the entrance of the Planned Parenthood building, which led to a fire. According to reporting by NBC News, Brannon is being held without bond, and Ergol is expected back in court today for his hearing. All public San Diego County offices, health clinics, libraries, family resource centers, and animal shelters will be closed on Monday in observance of Juneteenth. It's a federal holiday marking the day the last enslaved people in the U.S. learned they were freed. And if you're looking for a local event to commemorate the holiday, there will be a celebration at UCSD Park and Market on Sunday. It'll be a celebration of black art, music and community, with food, drinks, and performances by local musicians. The event starts at noon. It ends at 7. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Our newsroom recently looked at the outcome of a state law that mandates child care centers in California test their water for lead. Most lead levels were within safe standards, but some had high levels. One San Diego daycare had the highest level in the state. 
Health reporter Matt Hoffman has more. More than 130 child care centers in San Diego County had lead levels above the state's baseline. That's five parts per billion. A new interactive map on kpbs.org lets people look at the results themselves. The CDC says there's no safe level of lead, so what if it's found in drinking water? Dr. Justin Seltzer is a medical toxicology fellow and emergency room physician with UC San Diego Health. He says there's no simple answer. If you're like, well, my kid went to this daycare for two months, six years ago, and I don't really know what to do about that, it's it's a conversation ultimately to have with your pediatrician. Seltzer says when it comes to potential lead exposure, the total picture needs to be looked at. How long someone might have been exposed, did it come from a source of water that was regularly used, and what were the potential exposure levels? Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. The Navy wants to significantly increase how often three aircraft carriers can be in port at its North Island base, potentially increasing traffic in and out of Coronado. Military reporter Andrew Dyer has more. Right now, the Navy limits the number of days per year all three San Diego-based Nimitz-class aircraft carriers are in port to just 29. Each carrier has more than 3,000 sailors assigned to it. But last week, the Navy announced it would study the impact of increasing that number more than six times to 180 days per year. The Navy says the change is needed to accommodate changing operation and maintenance schedules. They also say the base isn't currently able to support the new Ford-class aircraft carriers. Navy officials will hold three public meetings at the end of June in Logan Heights, Coronado, and Imperial Beach. The study will take almost two years, and the Navy will make a final decision in the spring of 2025. Andrew Dyer, KPBS News. The latest class of San Diego police officer hopefuls just started training in the police academy. They're being led by someone unconventional, who's already making an impact on the future of policing. Reporter Kitty Alvarado has her story. Welcome to day two of the police academy at the San Diego Regional Public Safety Training Institute. Here, new recruits are pushed to their limits to prepare them for what they will encounter on the streets and neighborhoods of San Diego County and beyond. I don't want you looking like a gaggle of yellow shirts running across the quad, understand? And training the next generation of officers is one of San Diego Police Department's finest, Officer Lisa Hartman. There's going to be pain with this profession. There's going to be sweat with this profession. There's going to be uncomfortable with this profession. Her presence commands respect. Understand? Fall out. In a profession dominated by straight white men, this 20-year law enforcement veteran is in charge of one of the most important aspects of the police academy. Never would have thought becoming a police officer, I'd be able to use my master's degree in exercise science. But here I am, I run the physical training program for the new kids, as well as mental illness and first aid. So You heard that right mental illness. Being physically strong used to be what mattered most as a cop, but there's been a shift. Back when I was a baby cop, we didn't have that. We had, hey, you come to work, you do your job. Anything you see here, traumas you go through at work, well, figure out how to deal with it. It was kind of like a mentality. The new mentality? Your life also depends on learning how to cope with what you see, experience, and feel on the job. 
This has become standard training. Hartman helped usher in that change about five years ago. We actually started a two-hour block for the recruits to learn how to better understand what they're going to go through in this career, from shift work, being hypervigilant. They quickly found it made a difference, so they incorporated even more time in the next academy. According to the National Institutes of Health, people who work in law enforcement are 54% more likely to die of suicide than any other job, except firefighting. And for women on the force, it's even higher. I still suffer from things I've seen, and it's always there. It's truly a career that sticks with you. It's a tough career. She says teaching these new recruits how to recognize and deal with mental distress before it becomes destructive can save their lives and others too. We really need to take care of our officers for longevity, to really be aware of suicide prevention and let these kids know, hey, it's okay to go ask for help. Recently retired SDPD Assistant Chief Sarah Crichton says what they learn is as important as who's doing the training. To be firm, empathetic and compassionate and all the things that really are required today of a police officer. She says Hartman brings that and more. The ideal employee, somebody who can go out there and connect with the people who are at their absolute worst. The confidence in her ability to lead here comes from knowing she's not just respected, but that people who work with her care about her, everything about her. She has two sons, a grandson and a partner. Just like with my boys, I'm very blessed to have her in my life. She says for years, she didn't share that with anyone, not even her family. It's hard. It's stifling. You kind of lose a piece of you, whether it be LGBTQ community, Black, Muslim, whatever. If they see people in those positions, it makes them feel like, hey, you know what? I can do that. And that, she says, will also help departments that are struggling, too. In some ways, it's almost disheartening. So many of us are the good ones, but the few bad ones make it very challenging. Her impact is evident in this 135th police academy. Third squad, jump! This class has about twice the number of female recruits than the average. Recruit Brenda Sotomayor says it's allowed her to dream big. Thank you for showing us the way. Seeing females in roles like yours, it inspires us. If I get to, you know, one recruit, I feel like I've made a difference. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Coming up, if you're looking for plans this weekend, grab some snacks and a blanket because the county is showing free movies in the park. We'll have that and more just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
farmer Bill Tall created the City Farmers Nursery in City Heights more than 50 years ago. Now the city of San Diego has given the late farmer Bill a special honor. Reporter Melissa May tells us how his family is continuing his legacy. Right off the busy intersection of home and Euclid Ave in City Heights is City Farmers Nursery. If you aren't looking for it, you might miss it. But it's been a part of the community for over 50 years. Bill Tall, better known as Farmer Bill in the community, passed away a little over two years ago. But his legacy lives on through the nursery and District 9's newest honorary street, Farmer Bill Drive, at the intersection next to the nursery. Farmer Bill's son, Sam, is now the co-owner of the nursery. I really think he used the nursery just to, like, be able to connect with people. We had people that sent in cards that said, without meeting Farmer Bill, I don't think I'd be here. He was more than just Farmer Bill. He meant a lot to a lot of people. According to Sam, his dad made an impact in the community through his help with school gardens and other ways than just donating money. Melissa May, KPBS News. The Old Globe Theater has just appointed Adina Varner as its new Director of Arts Engagement. She'll lead a department of more than 30 employees and teaching artists who engage tens of thousands of people in theater and theater-related programming. Although she does not assume the position until August, arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with her about the work she'll be doing. Adina. Before we talk about your new job here at the Old Globe Theater, I wanted to ask you, what are kind of your earliest memories of theater and what role that played in your life? Earliest memories of theater, I would say probably my household. Even though no one is formerly an artist, my mother is such a storyteller. Her and my, and my grandmother both, which is also interesting because they're by profession educators but big personalities, very active, can't tell you a story seated. They must stand and, and act it out. And so I grew up in that kind of lively, vibrant household. Um, and I would say more formally, I sang a lot in elementary school and that led me to the stage in fifth grade doing Christmas plays at my school. And even plays at my local church growing up, those were like the early influences. And so how have those experiences kind of colored your perception of theater and the importance it has for young people and everyone? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It is that storytelling aspect. It's something that I think it really is like the root of the craft, really, is being able to share experiences and share, share traditions, share culture, share who we are just as humans with loved ones, friends, family, community. And I, I think that that is something that young people, that all people really, should be empowered to do and have the skills and tools to do. Um, whether it's on a stage or if it's on a newspaper or in some other outlet, just being able to share and present the things that are valuable to you and, and the things that you're curious about, being able to listen and receive and appreciate someone else's stories. I think that, that kind of is like the fundamental truth to, to our craft. So you are the Director of Arts Engagement here at The Globe. So for people who may not know what that means, what does that job entail? Wow. I'm learning what that job entails, but I would say uh, obviously much of what happens here at The Globe happens on our main stages. This is our opportunity to invite people to participate 
and to get involved, sometimes off the main stage. It's an opportunity for us to come into community spaces, whether it's a school or a rec center or a senior center or even a justice center, and to share the tools of theater making, theatricality with folks so that, again, they can kind of create their own content. But also, I think that it's an opportunity for us to continue to raise awareness and raise the profile of the work that the Globe does in spaces and with people who maybe traditionally have been marginalized and not felt welcomed into our home. And the Globe has a number of programs already established in this area. What about these programs kind of excites you or interests you in terms of what they're doing now? Oh my gosh, we do a lot. I'm learning to, com I haven't committed everything to memory because it is a lot. I think one of the things that's most interesting to me is the work we're continuing to do with Shakespeare and honoring what is classic and honoring that canon. I'm really excited about the after-school work that's happening and the partnerships that we have with schools. I'm excited to be able to support teachers and administrators. I'm also really excited about some of the work that we do with our seniors. That is, uh, it kind of holds a special place in my heart. My grandparents are very important to me. My village is very important to me. And that is also a marginalized community. A lot of the times we forget about our seniors and our elders. And so we have active relationships with that community as well. I love the mobile unit. I think that I can't wait to get my hands around uh, what we do there and just being able to tour performances to different communities is very exciting. And then also having time to actually sit it down here is also really exciting. So there's so, we do a lot. And I'm excited to see what the next level of that wants to be as well. That was Adina Varner, the new director of arts engagement at the Old Globe Theater speaking with KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando. And before you go, a summer tradition is in full swing across the county, summer movies in the park. They're going to be showing 150 movies at different parks around the county this summer. The movies are free, and it's something you can do with family, maybe even a cheap date night. Movies showing tonight include Soul at Scripps Ranch Community Park at 6 o'clock, and Minions, The Rise of Gru at the Carmel Valley Community Park at 6.30. The full lineup of movies can be found at summermoviesinthepark.com. Don't forget to grab a lawn chair, a blanket, maybe even some popcorn before heading out the door. That's it for the podcast today. The podcast is produced by KPBS producer Emmeline Mohebi and edited by KPBS senior producer Brooke Ruth. We'd like to thank KPBS producer Ben Lacey and KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman for helping the podcast team this week. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. And to all the dads out there, happy Father's Day. We'll be back on Tuesday in observance of Juneteenth. I'm Eric Anderson. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation. Presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.